Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Powered by Twin Peaks and Canty Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 the game in Florence. All right, welcome in. It is in the bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on a Tuesday morning. Colin, nice and secure in his cave. My little cave. Uh, as you've turned out all the lights. Yes. I love the little nod you give me, too, like when we're getting ready to start. It's yeah. like, okay, now. Here we go. Like, all right, here we go. We're it, doing well, this it, thing. It's a natural habit because, like, when I'm producing for Jay in the afternoons, he looks at me yeah. until I give him a signal to so go. So it's just like, it's almost like a it's, tick. It's a like, habit. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, we're, I'm, now we're doing I'm, this. I'm telling myself to start talking. I mean, I do it, too. Like, I'll do that, too, where if I'm about to write something or, like, if something's going crazy in a game, I'm like... And I like take a deep breath and like yeah. start writing or something like that. Um, so you're not alone. It's okay. Uh, I was happy I could uh, help Bill and Preston out with their wrestling knowledge. That sounds uh, about right. If you had to pick like your top four, I mean, because you're more ingrained in it. I was a kid who enjoyed it and sure. like growing up. Everybody did to fa- some degree. You know, it phased out. It, I wasn't like my brother just was obsessed about it for a while. I would okay. watch it. Yeah. And and knew of it and knew of some of the story. You guys lines. would beat each other up with the moves that you the, saw on TV. <laughs> the um we would play like the WWE like video games. Oh, those are fun. And he always I would kick his, you know, what in like and say 14, like yeah, all yeah. those. Right. But the wrestling ones, because he knew all the, the wrestlers and strengths and weaknesses yeah, and could like actually like use it. Yeah. Finishers and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And Good so I'm stuff. like, I have no idea. That and Super Smash Brothers, he always kicked the, kick the crap out of me. Yeah. Who's your go-to Super Smash character? I'm mean, assuming you've played it. I have. It's been a very long time. Yeah. Um, Who's your go-to? More of a Mario Kart kind of guy. Ooh, that's um, another question we'll get to right, real quick. Yeah. Uh, probably, I probably think I just rolled with OG Mario, honestly. In Super Smash? Yeah. Okay, see, I would... I would always go random. Yeah. But I would, Captain Falcon was one of my, Kirby's too overpowered. I would never do Kirby. That was kind yeah. of the outlaw. Mm-hmm. No one gets to play with Kirby. Then we would, I would do Captain Falcon, Star Fox, always a good one. Uh, Ganondorf is always a good one. Who yeah. do you race with in Mario uh, Kart? Usually like Luigi or Donkey <gasps> Kong. I'm a Luigi guy. Yeah. I'm a Luigi guy. That's always who I went with. My, my, uh, my niece and nephew have Switches and they have Mario Kart on there with, mm-hmm. Have a good time with them. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm always a Luigi, which is odd because I'm the oldest. Yeah. So you would think that I'd be like, yeah, Mario, but sure. no, I'm a, yeah. I'm a Luigi guy. Give Luigi his flowers. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, reason I bring up wrestling is in shout out to former Gamecock, Matrick Belton, now known as Trick Williams, the new NXT North American champion, made his debut on WWE Raw last night. Has a North American Championship rematch coming up tonight on NXT on USA at 8 o'clock. Doing yeah. big things. Good for him. He was... Let me double check that, but I think he was part of the first South Carolina teams that I got to cover. Fun fact. Because what do you 
graduated in was it 18 or 19 a keenan high uh graduate so his first he played at hampton in 2012 and 2013 walked on in 14 which would have been my sophomore year okay so i sparsely covered the team that year and then i really started covering the team in 15 okay and so he was now he played in every game like he didn't play a ton he was not eligible. Kind of guy, right? He was not eligible in fourteen. Okay, because of the transfer, obviously. Uh, but played uh, in yes, every game. Yes, when transfers used to have to set out. Yeah, that remember that a decade ago. Uh, he was walk on who played in every game, making five starts, eleven passes for one hundred twenty-one yards. Um, that was not the best South Carolina team. That was the year they went. Uh, what three and nine? Because in they twenty fifteen, fifteen, because okay. they just didn't have a ton of receivers. Um, and then he played mostly on special teams in one must champs first year. Fun fact. Well, so, you know, and now he's on, I mean, would you I, say I, he's on track and maybe not in a year, but in a couple of years to be a staple on Monday Night Raw? Oh, definitely. WWE? It definitely. So, um, for somebody that's just started doing this in 2019, it's come a long way in four years. And, you know, when you're six foot four and a former division one athlete, you most likely are going to take something like this pretty well. Yeah, no. And <laughs> Weird, uber-athletic. I mean, you've seen, like, what? Roman Reigns was at Georgia Tech. Yeah, he's at Georgia Tech. The Rock played in Miami. Yep. I would have loved to have been in a position meeting room with Ed Orgeron. I, all right, hold on. Now i got to look up when Dwayne Johnson played at Miami to see who uh, was in that. It was, it was early 90s. I, I want to know who was in that, like, defensive line meeting room with him. I don't, I don't know if... I don't know if Miami was at the height of their power when he was no, there or not. I don't think they were, but Ed Orgeron was the position coach for him. And I just, I want to be in that. I, I'm terrified for Ed Orgeron in Coral Gables in Miami. Sure. Just as a general rule. Right. But, man, would have been, like that would have been awesome to have him and, like, just being a fly on the wall yeah. in those position rooms with him. Him. That would be a very young Orgeron, too. He would have been like in his 30s. I think that's right. Uh, if you ever get a chance to just listen to interviews with Ed Orgeron, ju- not just for the accent, but just some of the stories he has. I appreciate immaculate. the fact that he does not beat around the bush anymore. Like, he tells, like, oh, yeah, we were recruiting this guy and we offered him this and promised him this. And, you know, like, he's. Gives you out the dirty details you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, the my favorite line because he is what I would be as a coach when he's like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna let you go, but we're gonna give you all the money remaining on your contract." Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Bye. Said all right. Thirty seven. How much? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Bye. Thank you. Okay. That works. Mm. Good to know. And then dips. Okay. You know ro- what? I think ro- I would be that guy. The Rock was at Miami from ninety to ninety four. Yeah. I would also. I respect Dan Mullen too. Because Florida paid Dan Mullen a lot of money to go away. Yes. And Dan Mullen was like, I'm going to go be an analyst yes. on ESPN. And then in the offseason, I get to golf and hang out with my family. Yeah, it's not a bad gig. No. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, what was his buyout? A lot. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, um, like, I would do that. I would do, I don't understand why coaches, and I know there's an itch to it. I know that like once you get into the coaching sphere, there's an itch to like, I got to get back and I got to coach and I got to sure. do this and I got to do that. And then, uh, and, and here's the thing, like I, again, Dan Mullen, I'm sure is 
very content with being on the ESPN desk for right now because it's yeah. a whole lot less work. If he does want to get back into coaching, he could probably go be an offensive coordinator just about anywhere. I know there was a lot of conversation about him potentially being a candidate for the North Carolina job this past year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't, didn't end up happening. $12 million. $12 million. Way. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good buyout. But if he wanted to get back into coaching, he'd probably be go, become an OC. Like He yeah. did the head coaching thing, Mississippi State, Florida. Obviously, you know we know he was not too keen on recruiting, which in today's day and age, you obviously have to do very well if you want to compete. So go be an OC somewhere. Or, I mean, he was perfect. Awesome, man. That's a good deal. $6 million up front. So six million within thirty days of his termination. That that's always the funniest thing to me when they fire a coach. Like, all right, get out of here. By the way, in like thirty days, we're gonna give you ten million dollars. You're gonna wake up on a Tuesday morning, check your bank account, and it's gonna be t- like six more million dollars in there. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I don't think they're crying too hard about about no. that. And then he gets a million dollars on every July fifteenth through twenty twenty seven. Look at him, like Bobby Benilla. <laughs> like it's, but. I think he would be better at a place if you wanted to get back into head coaching where, you know, the standard isn't Florida. The standard sure. isn't competing for SEC titles yeah. and recruiting, and out-recruiting Georgia and Alabama and Texas A&M. And the, the funny thing about Dan Mullen, he could still be at Mississippi State. Yeah. If he, like, because he got them to a great level of respectability, obviously had Dak Prescott the year that they were number one in the co- They were the first ever number one team in the college football playoff poll. Like, mm-hmm. people forget that. Yep. They went to that Orange Bowl, lost Georgia Tech, but, like, he had that program in a good place. And if he wanted to stay there, he probably would still be their head coach right now because the level of expectation in Mississippi State is not nearly as high as, as, as it is at Florida. Right. Saw an opportunity after Jack, Jim, uh, Jim McElwain and the whole fiasco there happens to jump back to a place that he was the offensive coordinator, had a lot of success, people welcomed him with open arms, and, you know... The Florida people will sour on you pretty quickly if things aren't going too well. Yeah, and you go to a place where if you're Dan Mullen, like UAB, hey, you get to recruit in Alabama. Working under Trent Dilfer. Or just at, even as the head coach, like, because that whole situation, oof. But, you know, hey, go to UAB when sure. next, you know, you get to recruit in Alabama. There are standards there, but it's not like you're being asked. You're being asked to go compete for a conference title yeah. at UAB with other good teams, but. You know, you don't have to out recruit. You're not going up against Georgia sure. and Alabama and A and M and the recruiting trail, right? And I mean, the blueprint for the, you know, G five is you recruit all these guys who end up going to Georgia and South Carolina and Kentucky and Virginia Tech and Clemson and all that. And then if they transfer out, you provide them a chance to go home, sure, or come back closer to home and have a chance to play. So. I think Dan Mullen, if he wanted to get back into it, which is not where I thought we'd start the show, if he wanted to get back into it, it wouldn't be the worst idea to, you know, if he wants to be a head coach, go do it at a place where there's pressure, certainly, but it's not Florida, where if you are if you dip out of the top 10 in the rankings, everyone that, wants to fire you. That That's the crazy part to me, is the fact that in 2020, Dan Mullen had Florida in the SEC championship game on the cusp of the college football playoff Again. until the shoe fiasco happened Again. against LSU. The butterfly effect there. And a calendar year later, he is no longer the Florida head coach. It goes quick, man. It That's goes insane. Really quick. And I mean, there are other ones like that where, you know, I'm trying to go through in my head, like this year, everyone wanted Joey McGuire to be the guy mm-hmm. at Texas Tech, and he has this great first year, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Texas Tech is very meh 
yeah. this year. Oh, Texas Tech is this, Texas Tech is that. And um, it's kind of, it's wild that, you know, you, in this business now, there's no, it's so hard to sustain, but everyone wants you to sustain. And because it's so quick to flip, right? then all of a sudden it's, well, you're not competing where we want you to compete in year two. It's time to go find somebody else who can. Well, and, and Texas Tech kind of like Mississippi State, is a place where the expectations are not yeah. super high. Sure, you'd like to be in the mix to go to the Big 12 championship game, but to my knowledge, I don't think Texas Tech ever went to the Big 12 championship game, right? Texas Tech, I don't believe so. I don't think they have. No. I mean, they've come close. I think the, 08 was the Yeah, like the Crabtree years, year. they were really good and, and up there competing, but mm-hmm. never made it to that. And uh, to my knowledge, I don't think they've ever been to a New Year's Six Bowl game, at least not in recent memory. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you like you don't come in there like okay, well you better get us in the college football playoff in three years or we're done with you. But um, a place like Florida, certainly that's the the standard. And you know, the we'll get into Florida more uh, certainly as we get closer and closer to the game next weekend. But like a guy like Billy Napier, we came into the season talking about well he's on the hot seat, loses to Utah. It's like oh that seat's getting hotter. Beats Tennessee a couple weeks ago, like, well, hey, maybe they're actually going to be good this year. And they lose to Kentucky this past week, and it's like, oh, he's on the hot seat again. Like, I, I wouldn't want to deal with that kind of pressure if I was a coach. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, and it's not for everybody, and that's what the money's for. That's why Kirby Smart makes a gazillion dollars a year. That's why Nick Saban makes a gazillion dollars a year. And um, Because being not only an SEC coach, but a coach that, honestly, like, competes tries to compete for titles the pressure is on you the pressure's there and um there's a lot more work for it so um yeah that's what the money's for and that's why you see a lot of these coaches leveraging a lot of that mel tucker um but you know lane kiffin's making nine million dollars a year or whatever it is and brian kelly's making a bunch of money same with you know lane kiffin or not lane kiffin lincoln riley a lot of these coaches now are making a ton of money and when that happens and you have to fire them, it means you the other school is hamstrung because they have to pay that buyout. That's right. Which is a lot. Uh, speaking of Florida, we'll talk a little bit about this matchup coming up next weekend as we learned the kickoff time yesterday. What does that mean for the Gamecocks historically? Hit that coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. You're on the game. Welcome back in In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. On your Tuesday morning, it is a by week, so we won't have our usual Tuesday press conference from Coach Beamer. Sponsored as always by Pete Awine Pools and Spas. Uh, so the team is practicing today or yesterday, today, tomorrow, tomorrow, and then they're off for the rest of the week, correct? Yes. Yeah, because coaches will go out okay. recruiting. I don't know if that's, I don't know if they'll go out Thursday. They should. I think they might go out Thursday and just maybe catch a game or two. Mm-hmm. And then they'll definitely be out Friday. And I think everybody's going to kind of take Saturday off. Okay. To just kind of breathe then, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then full tilt back in the building on Sunday. But I will say, too, is there, a, if there's, there's not really a, ever a time off, it's just coaches making calls and texting sure. from not the office. Yeah. Kind of and, and by the way, uh, coming up to today's edition of the Garner Trust Hour at 10 o'clock, do you have Mario Anderson is going to be joining us and getting his insight on uh, what's been a very good couple of weeks for him. Yep. Obviously, the rest of the team, not so much on Saturday night, but he's certainly emerging as the best running back for South Carolina this season. So excited to hear from him a little bit later on this morning. Uh, when they are back in action in now 11 days, 
will be against Florida, of course, here at Williams-Brice Stadium next Saturday. Learned yesterday that the kickoff, 3.30. Now, typically, the SEC Network has a 4 o'clock kick, but I believe because CBS is doing their doubleheader that it gets moved up to 3.30, so there's no noon game on the SEC Network because Georgia and Vanderbilt will be at noon on CBS as part of that doubleheader. I believe that is correct, yes. So... Uh, I know you were rooting for a noon game. I was so. rooting for a noon game. The well, the problem of all of the games to be considered a day game, the fact that this one, the fair game, the fair game is it home homecoming? Is oh no, is it homecoming? Uh, Va- Listen, they play Vanderbilt at home this year. That's probably homecoming, and most likely. Uh, but the fair game's always nightmarish traffic wise. Uh, I tweeted about it yesterday, and then one of the Florida writers, the on three Florida writer messaged me was like hey what does this mean and i was like good question um traffic's gonna be a nightmare so of all of the times to get a day game a middle of the day game it's the one where you're gonna hit fair traffic going there and fair traffic coming home so you're telling me to get to gamecocks game day i have to leave yeah. even earlier this time what time are do you what time does that start what time um, do you like to get there hold on so it's a three thirty game that means we broadcast five hours before, so ten thirty. Yeah, I would leave it late. Do the show. Doing some, I would do some research and just see. Do I need to just camp out overnight? You might have to. You might have to. There's some like RVs, uh, so I would just do that. And, oh, like, Florida is homecoming. All right, so Florida's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, let me could, double check that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm on Gamecocks online. It says homecoming. Okay. Uh, Vanderbilt is the salute to the troops game because that uh, is um close to Veterans Day. Veterans Day. So that makes, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. I mean, you could have done Jacksonville State, I guess. I know. That is that's a homecoming for the Taylor Baker clan. Fun fact. Um, oh, that's right. My my father is a Gamecock alum. My father-in-law a Gamecock alum. Um, Michaela, obviously, Gamecock mm-hmm. alum. And her mother is a Jacksonville State Gamecock. So, it's all in the family. Yeah. So, I don't know if what their plan is for that or, or what that might look like. But, yeah, that's uh, kind of interesting. I know they're excited about it. Shout out to Jack State, man. Yeah. Shout out. Go Gamecocks. Uh, shout out, Richard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, went there to baseball camp in high school. Uh, only learned a week before that it was not in Florida. It was, in fact, in Alabama. This is a so, different Jacksonville. I don't ima- get it. Imagine my surprise. Right, because you're so used to the world's largest yeah. cocktail. Where you're like, like, oh, it's cool. We're yeah. going, to, going down to Florida for a couple of days. No, yeah, we're going no. to Alabama. Hey, there are worse places to be. I, I always, like, joke, like, oh, it's Alabama, it's Alabama. Then I've gone to Alabama a couple times. Alabama's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't, it gets a bad rap. You know, if if you've if you've been in South Carolina or Georgia, you Pretty much got an idea of what Alabama is. There's good parts, there's bad parts, and it's a southern state. That's right. Yeah. You know, you can get good fried chicken at most gas stations. Yeah, trust me. There's you can get good fried chicken most places. That's right. Um, this game against Florida next week, an interesting being a three thirty kick. In Beamer's tenure here, not a whole lot of afternoon home games. No. Only four when I went back and counted with a two and two record. Yes, because it's what George Georgia at, last year. One at noon and then three midday games, Troy, Vanderbilt, and then Missouri. Yes. and wow. I remember that off the top of my head, which is kind of insane. That's very impressive. Uh, so, you. yeah, you lost to Georgia last year. 
That was a 12 o'clock game. Lost to Missouri. Four o'clock game was Missouri that you also lost. And then you, you beat, beat Troy. Troy and beat Vanderbilt. Uh, back in 21. 21. That was Shane's first year. Uh, yes, that is correct. So, yeah. That's uh, it's crazy how many night games they get here. Yeah. No, you don't have to tell me. You really don't have to tell me. And it's one where, like, the fan, like, it'd be different if it was the CBS game, if this you're coming off two sure. teams with wins, but both teams well, lost by multiple scores. Like, it's one where you got to kind of bring your own energy because it's, you know, sleepy is not the right word, but it might be a late arriving crowd because of fair traffic. It sure. might be certain things. So you're going to have to, like, the last midday home game you had, you came out slow and you lost to Missouri because of it. So um, you're been, you've been good at home. Under Shane Beamer, Florida's been bad on the road under Billy Napier, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this game kind of plays out. The The funny thing about what's normally the 4 o'clock game on the SC Network, now 3.30 game, is you know there's a much more important game going on on CBS that most people are going to be tuned into. Yes. And especially when you're kicking off at the same time. Because right. Texas A&M and Tennessee are playing next Saturday at 3.30. Right. It was the way it was described to me was the CBS got the first pick and the fourth pick mm-hmm. in the pecking order. Now, I'm very curious what the primetime slot for the SEC is going to be next year with the new ESPN deal. I know. Does it go to 8 on ABC? I would, Or does it go the 7.30 ESPN kick? Honestly, these this past year or so, the ABC game has been pretty hit or miss. Yeah. Like, you know, I know this past weekend we obviously had Duke and Notre Dame. That was a big deal and obviously a, a, a good game. But you look up there sometimes. It's like Iowa State and West Virginia. Like, it's like Texas this, Baylor was this, the ABC game a couple of this weeks is ago. Our, this is our prime this time is game on ABC. This, this is, is what, what we're building up to the entire day. Like, right. I, I, have, I feel like they'll probably try and position that as best they can. But at the same time, you have the opportunity to have wall-to-wall great games in the SEC on all your networks. Over the course so, of like four time slots? Yeah, so I imagine they'll probably stagger it a little bit where mm-hmm. some weeks, like, okay, we'll have the best game at 3.30 and then have a pretty good game at 7.30 or something like that. And uh, I imagine it'll bounce around a lot. It may not be like a one specific, like, okay, who's getting the 7.30 game this week type thing. Right. It'll be interesting, too, because now ESPN gets the entire pick of the litter. Yes. And cause CBS always got the number one pick, and ESPN uh, would divvy after that. Yep. Um. So now it'll be interesting to see how it how it all shakes out. Yeah, it'll be really really interesting to see how and what becomes the the coveted time slot. Do, is the coveted time slot still that three thirty, or is the coveted time slot that seven seven thirty kick? I'm sure there are many people at Disney right now that are crunching the numbers on what the better option is. It'll be really really. I'm I'm excited to see as what long it looks as like. as long as SC Network four o'clock purgatory still exists. <laughs> Do you know what the ABC game is this week? Oh boy, Lay Notre, on me. Notre Dame at Louisville. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't gas this one up. Is undefeated. Don't gas this one up. So I mean, I get it, but there's probably a better option out there. But see, and, but you go. ABC goes from Oklahoma, Texas, awesome game, to Virginia Tech. Well, Oklahoma, Texas always has to be at noon. Right. Like that's that's a no yeah. no contest there. You go, but that's an a. An absolute, absolute banger of a noon game. Yeah. Then you go Virginia Tech at Florida State. Mm. And then you bleed into Notre Dame at Louisville. It's getting... Yeah! Good. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Yeah! 
so jacked up Let's for get that. Geeked up for that, baby. Woo. Meanwhile, Texas Tech Baylor, which should be an actual fun game, is relegated to ESPN two at eight. Wow, I thought Fox would get their hands on that one. I don't know who's what's big noon kickoff this week. Uh, is it is it Ohio State and Maryland? Yeah, yeah. that actually might be kind of interesting for a quarter or two. Hey, two is the younger brother. Yeah. Oh, sling that thing. Rutgers at Wisconsin is your Peacock game this week. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. Get geeked up for Rutgers Wisconsin, baby. <laughs> Well, uh, South Carolina will not be playing this weekend for their bye week. What do they need to do in this week to look better in the second half of the season? Talk about that coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. You're on the game. Yeah, we got to get healthy for one. Um, we just and we we got to get our young guys to continue to come on and get better. Just told the team in the locker room, we're not even halfway through the season. I mean, we're not even through October yet. And um, we're not at the halfway point of the season, but the off week's coming at a good time. We uh, got to get back to work. We got to get better. We got to get healthy because right now we're a, we're a two and three football team. And uh, that starts with me as the head coach. I don't believe we are a two and three football team. I think we're better than that. But uh, we got to understand that that uh, when you come on the road in the SEC or even when you play at home in the SEC, um, you got to be detailed, and you got to make plays when when uh, you get opportunities to. And we didn't do enough of that tonight. Welcome back into in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. That, of course, was the voice of Coach Beamer after Saturday's game, talking about things to focus on in the bye week. And Coach, it is now October. In fact, it's October third to be specific. <gasps> the day, the day, it's here. Day. Thought you'd catch that reference. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, it is South Carolina's bye week. They will take on Florida next Saturday, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, practiced yesterday, practicing again today, and then practicing again tomorrow before giving the players a couple days off while the coaches go out uh, on the recruiting trail for a couple of days. And, and you mentioned a couple things right off the bat right there. First of all, get healthy. That is one of the biggest objectives this bye week, specifically when you think about a guy like Juice Wells. Obviously had the uh, the, bo- the bone in his foot that he reactivated against Georgia. We did not expect him to come back before the bye week. He did not. And now we'll see if he's going to be ready to go by the time Florida rolls around. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest question mark moving forward um, is what's what's the plan with Juice? And you're going to give him, probably give him this week off. I mean, that's kind of a goes without saying, you know, let him rehab the foot, let him get right. They said that there's still some soreness when he's out of a walking boot. Mm-hmm. So kind of give him the week to rehab, to relax, to to treat that thing correctly and then see where he is on Tuesday when you start Florida prep. And, you know, if that means sitting him against Florida to have him ready, you know, you got two really important games after that too. Figure that out. Um, So that's an interesting one. Uh, You got to get Ja'Kai Moore healthy. I mean, you'd like to have him for Florida. Just even if he doesn't start, you know, he's a guy that's played a ton of football for you and – you know, with how much Tyshawn Wanamaker struggled at right tackle, maybe you move him there and put Javon Ball at, at um, guard and, and roll with that. So you kind of got to get the injury situation well. I'll be interested to see how much the offense gets tweaked or looks different down this stretch run now that you've had some time to kind of take your breath. Well, and that kind of begs the question when you talk about how depleted they are with injuries, what can you really change about this offense in a week and a half? Right, and that's that's the thing, too, is how much does Dowell Loggins tweak it? Because, too, I mean, you see it all the time with um, 
quarterbacks that come into the league or whoever and you know they're lighting it up because no one has a scouting report on them and now you're starting to see Dowell Logan's tendencies now you're starting to see what this offense does what they like to run in certain situations now it's okay well they're defending us like this how do we tweak it after five games to kind of counter their counter and uh I'll be interested to see how different it looks whether it's more quick hitters, whether that's more, you know, launch, you know, changing launch angles, who plays more? Because mm-hmm. I think you're going to have a lot of freshmen taking a lot of reps this week to just give starters kind of a little bit of a physical break. So I'll be interested to see after the bye week who who's getting the, the lion's share of the reps at a lot of different positions. One area that's going to be interesting to see if they can make any improvements is certainly defense. And Oof, when you look yeah. at the statistics in the SEC, South Carolina is either at or the bottom of most categories when it comes to defense. And, you know, look, we lofted praise on them a couple weeks ago when they were able to contain, you know, Mississippi State's running attack, which, you know, Woody Marks was coming in, uh, running at a pretty decent clip in the games before that. They were able to stifle that. Of course, Will Rogers ended up killing them through the air, but they still did enough to hang on to win. We've obviously seen them get a lot of turnovers their first couple of games this season. But, again, on Saturday, you just kind of got exposed on all fronts and, Joe Milton didn't have to do anything special to reach through the air. They obviously ran the ball down your throat, and now you're kind of sitting here at the bye week. Like, what, what do you do about this defense through these last seven games? Is that going to – because when you look at the the rest of the schedule, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to say you struggle to see another four wins, but it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, yeah, you beat Jacksonville State. You should beat Vanderbilt, but outside of that – four, right? Yeah, that only gets you to four, and it's like when you think about how weak this defense is, you're – hard-pressed to confidently say you'll be able to beat any of these other teams. Right, and you know, looking at some of the stuff, only a 16% stuff rate. Um, offense, you know, offense line against them are averaging three li- three offensive line yards per rush. Um, you're not creating enough havoc. You're, it's just not what it needs to be. Now, you're doing some good things well. You're when you do create havoc, you create havoc. But the problem is it's just been far too inconsistent. It's it's kind of like the offense. It's a lot of boom or bust. You're either giving up an explosive play or making an explosive play on defense. So you kind of have to just even it out. And there's some bend but don't break to this defense, which at this point in the season is kind of you are what you are. And you just need to be able to tighten up. And the good news is well, South Carolina is probably middle of the road in red zone defense as I quickly pull up the you know, stuff. But, you know, you're ninth in the SEC. Now, granted, you know, you've played a tougher schedule than most SEC teams to this point. You're ninth in the SEC in opponent scoring rate. You're ninth in opponent touchdown rate. But opponents have had 22 trips into the red zone against you. The only team that has allowed more is Vanderbilt, and they've played one more game. Yes. The team next team after that is LSU. So, <laughs> how many of those were this past weekend? Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's one of those things where you just you have to tighten up in between everything, and if you can do that and be a little bit more efficient and create some negative plays, the problem is you've just allowed teams to stay on schedule, and sure. when they do that. You get eaten alive because they sustain drives. You're on the field for a really long amount of time, a lot of plays, and all of that kind of combines together to, to get you to a, a fairly worn-down spot as you sit here five weeks into the season. How much do we know about Florida? 
And how much can we learn about Florida taking on Vanderbilt this weekend? Yes. I don't know. There's like everything about it is like, hey, they're fine. Like, it's just so. I really thought their defense was was great going into the Kentucky game. Because despite that loss to Utah in week number one, defense, I mean, kept them in it for the most part. You only gave up 24 points. Right, out, and, and now he, we've seen this like weird Utah offense that's just yeah. not been good. Um, By the way, Utah's defense is oof. lights out, but yeah, if you, that, you can't get anywhere near the end right. zone with Nate Johnson as your quarterback. You're going to have a tough time winning some of these big games. Right. Um, and maybe Cam Ryzen will come back at some point. But right. uh, besides that, when you look back, like the defense kept Florida in that week number one game when the offense looked very inept. The offense came along in the weeks after that, looked amazing against... Tennessee, you ran the ball down their throat. Graham Mertz didn't have to do anything special at all to win that game. It had a very much a Joe Milton-like performance. It's like, we're going to run the ball. You're going to dink and duck for five yards here, ten yards there, and and you know just you know, not turn the ball over, essentially, and we'll be fine. Um, and then this past weekend against Kentucky, Ray Davis, he's still running. Right. Almost 300 yards. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this Florida team. I don't either. And I, like, Florida looked like a team that could get to seven wins. Uh, after beating Tennessee, and then all of a sudden now it's like, well, they're going to get to a bowl, and where are they in the East pecking order? And there's a lot of meh in the SEC East, and it's just it's it's a it's a hodgepodge right now. And for South Carolina, this is kind of a an important game for you, it is really, it not? Like to, it 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 is. It's definitively one of the few games I think you can look at as a potential toss up going forward, right? Because Missouri looks a whole lot harder than you thought they were going to be. Texas A&M doesn't look like they've taken that much of a drop-off with Max Johnson at quarterback, and that defense is really dang good. Right. Like It's like the best defense in the SEC overall right now. Right. That's gonna, not going to be easy. Again, Kentucky, run the ball down your throat. That's going to be hard. Of course, you Clemson, always going to be difficult. They're playing better than they were a couple of weeks ago. Like, man, this, this schedule looks a whole lot more daunting than it did a couple of weeks ago. You ready for this? Sure. Massey. One of the I, I like Massey a lot in the predicted points, and they do a lot of predictive metric stuff. South Carolina predicts a one point game against Florida. Cassie, okay. a fifty one percent chance South Carolina wins. Three point loss at Missouri, eleven point loss at A and M, a multiple score win over Jacksonville State, a multi score win over Vanderbilt, a one point loss to Kentucky, and a one score loss, a one touchdown loss to Clemson. You're if you're South Carolina and these predictive metrics are accurate, you you are going to be playing a lot of close games late, cool. and you are going to have to. Chris Clark likes to say, but you're going to have to win in the margins. And I don't know. We'll see if this team is equipped to do that moving right. forward. Take your heart medication. It's going to yeah, be a bumpy no. ride. Cardiac Cox, baby. All right, uh, we'll take a switch gears a little bit. Coming back, we did hear from Coach Kingston a little bit about fall baseball. We'll hear what he had to say. Uh, coming up, you're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. Uh, very good. It's been a very seamless transition. Uh, they were both brought here because they are proven talent developers uh, at the very highest level. Uh, both of them. Uh, they both had tremendous success. Uh, I liked Matt Williams' success not only in college and having some of the best staffs in the country, but also his experience with the San Diego Padres. And uh, Joey uh, is known as one of the best hitting developers in the country. So combined with Monty, I thought could really be a great combination. So uh, their transition here has been very, very smooth. Welcome back into In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. That was the voice of Gamecock uh, baseball coach Mark Kingston yesterday giving 
uh, some answers to the media as it is October, and that means fall baseball is here, uh, getting a few weeks of practicing, and then, of course, the season starting once again uh, when February rolls around, which, funny enough, actually is not that far away. Scared to think that. about, don't right? Do do I'm that. not going to give that. you a yeah. countdown. I'm not going to yeah. tell you how many days. I don't. I didn't look up how many days. I'll, I'll say that much. But once you hit October and you, and you have a little bit of fall ball, the end of the year is right around the corner, and boom, then you're right back out there at Founders Park where <laughs> Colin will be living for about four months. Yes, absolutely. And this is a a team that we still don't have a, a pulse on just yet. There's just so much new around it. And the offense should be pretty darn good. I think the offense should take a step forward. You you know, you return Cole Messina and Talmadge Lee Croy and Gavin Costas and then Ethan Petrick kid who was a freshman All-American. He was, he was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you return, I mean, a bunch of players. You bring in Austin Brindling. You bring in Kennedy Jones. You bring in high-level transfers that you think can really help make an impact, and this should be a deeper, um, better lineup, I think. I think the question then becomes, what does the pitching look like? And you, that's where you're going to have to try to use this fall to, to kind of figure a few things out there. Uh, he spoke a little bit on improving the pitching. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, well, that turned out pretty well last week. Didn't it? <laughs> so we're hoping it's history repeating itself, just the reverse side. Um, yeah, I think our hitters, are, I think our offense... Most people will look at us and say, damn, we got a chance to be pretty good because we returned most of that offense. We've added some really good players, both in the freshman class, uh, but in the transfer portal. Uh, so I think pitching-wise, we're going to need guys to step up. We're going to need returners to improve um, and take on bigger roles, just like guys did last year. Hicks' role last year was much bigger than it had been in the past. Same with Jack Mahoney and, and on and on. Uh, so I think we have the arms. I think we have the the talent, we have the depth from a pitching standpoint uh, to get the job done. It's just a matter of now uh, which guys make the most progress uh, with Matt Williams, our pitching coach, uh, and who, who takes the reins and gets the biggest role. So uh, Thursday's day one of that process. So There's a long way to go to figure that part out. And what he was alluding to there at the beginning of that clip, you go back to 2022, where pitching was great and the offense was a little bit of the problem. And obviously you bring in Monty Lee, and that certainly helped out the offense tremendously, tremendously this season, hitting home runs left and right, the development of Ethan Petrie, all that stuff, and then the pitching just wasn't where it needed to be. And injuries certainly played a part in that. So then you bring in uh, Matt Williams taking over for Justin Parker, and he's hopefully going to be that Monty Lee type of guy for this pitching staff for the upcoming season. Yeah, it, it's it's wild. You know, last year it, it really was. You, you have a chance to be a really good pitching staff, and they were a top half of the SEC pitching staff. But, man, where's the offense going to come from? Who's going to step up? And all of a sudden, it was Colmacina. It was Talmadge Lee Croy. It was Ethan Petrie and Gavin Costas. And you got production from all those guys. Now it's like, where are you going to get the innings from? And, you know, you you have a good baseline with, you know, Eli Jones, with Matthew Becker, with, you know, Roman Kimball coming off Tommy John, with uh, Chris Beach. You have some pieces that are returning Austin Williamson has a chance to be, I think, pretty solid. But you're just like, where where does the depth come in? And there are some pieces, especially in this freshman class, that have a chance to be really good. You have some pieces in the the portal class that have a chance to, if they can tap into some things, be really good. And you just got to hope for natural development. Matt Williams has shown an ability to develop guys at a pretty high rate. And when those things happen, you you have a chance to click. But we just... 
The pitching is going to be an unknown until it's not, kind of like yep. the offense was last year. And quickly, he did confirm that Jerzenbeck would not be most likely pitching not this year. Pitch this um, and obviously, we know he sustained that injury at the end of last season, and that's yeah. a very long timetable for the recovery process and that. So likely will not see him in 2024. Yeah, and maybe not again at South Carolina because he is a draft-eligible sophomore and yes. could potentially get plucked in the MLB. And we'll see. But um, And there, there was... So much potential there. Yeah, no, he was a he. Uh, you know, we're gonna look back, and he's probably gonna be a big leaguer when all yeah. is said and done. Um, with what with the stuff he has, if he can continue to develop. But you know, you were probably looking at him as maybe a mid or a weekend guy mm-hmm. this year, and for him not to be there, it's it's tough. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Uh, quickly here, how much can you we learn about this team through these couple of weeks of fall ball? I think we could learn a good bit. Maybe not about. Um, like what it's going to look like, who your weekend rotation is, but you know, who which freshmen are going to be able to compete? Which freshmen are able to kind of hold their own? How does Kennedy Jones, Blake Jackson, Austin Brindling, these these portal Parker Nolan, even though he's coming from the SEC, how do the guys making the jump from the mid major level to the SEC? How does that transition go? Do they look the part? And you know, which which pitchers have shown the ability to get outs against a, what? what is probably going to be a pretty good offense. So we'll, we're not going to learn everything, but I think there is a, a standard of being able to learn something um, about just what it might look like for South Carolina moving forward. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, baseball season, be here before you know it. Basketball's right around the corner. Time really starts flying once you hit football season. Oh, trust me. You have no idea. It just, it's, it's grind. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of uh, In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. Coming up next is the Garnet Trust Hour with South Carolina running back Mario Anderson right here on The Game. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.